Disclaimer. The following podcast contains explicit language and adult content. The content may offend some listeners. Relax and don't be a hater. Hello. Welcome to a walk in the park podcast. (laughs) This is Riss. And this is Babs. And in our podcast, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of wine, cake, laughter, friendship, success, families, fun, the extraordinary. We're happy you're listening. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> I love it. Let's just get this walk started, baby. Woo-woo. Guys, how do you talk about life when you haven't even lived at all? And how do you talk about love when the only thing you love is your dog? I don't know. This episode of A Walk in the Park podcast is a deep dive into the 2020 U.S. Open. Riss, Babs, and MB spend the first part of the podcast talking about the first week of the U.S. Open. Then, Babs talks about the horror, which happened on Sunday, September 6th, when Novak Djokovic was defaulted out of the tournament by a U.S. Open tournament referee because he hit a linesperson in the throat with a ball. It was unintentional, but that did not matter. Yes, Babs is a little devastated. But please listen and enjoy. I thought for a minute there that Serena would lose. Well, we've survived and we're here on a walk in the park podcast and Serena Williams managed to beat Sloane Stevens and it was torture. Absolute torture. Yes. Well, I thought it was a good match, but I thought that Serena's days, I think, are numbered unless she gets faster because she's got the power but I think the pace of the the game is has changed a lot since she's been playing I mean she's just it used to be all power for her but she doesn't move as quickly as some of these other players that's why I thought well it it could very well be that uh, Stevens will win but she you know she got overpowered in the end I don't think she could have she could handle it so I just don't understand why Serena isn't moving her feet. And when I was watching it with Jonathan, he kept saying, he's like, something's wrong with her. He's like, I think she must be injured and she's not telling people. He's like, because she isn't moving. And, you know, all the commentators have been talking in each of the matches, you know, here, and I think also in the Western and Southern, is that, she's not like taking those quick steps to get to the balls in the corners. She's like lunging at them and stabbing at them. And, you know, then they usually either go into the net or off to the side, or if they do make it over into play, she's so off balance that, you know, her opponent just has to hit it back into the court and she can't recover. But I just don't remember her ever being the quickest on the court anyway. Well, she was probably never the quickest. Yeah, but I I don't I think she was always more power and just ripping it more than uh, I'll say finesse. 
So I think that a lot of these other, and it's true, so it could be that she's injured, but I don't think she is. I just think she's, she can't move the way she used to. I mean, that's probably true, right? It's true of all the players that right. are getting older. Federer doesn't move as well as he used to. Right, right. Um, now, of course, he's had a bunch of knee surgeries as well, but... Right. Um, yeah, I'm happy for Serena, but I'm going to say I don't even enjoy watching her anymore. It's too... <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it, you just expect the win or at least um, a little I bit... I quality play. Right, and it's just getting sloppy. I mean, it's, I'm not... Listen, she's still the greatest, but it's, it's hard. Well, greatest is a cumulative and eventually retrospective thing. So I will say right. perhaps right now she is not the greatest female tennis player in the tournament. I'd like to think she is, and I suppose if she does manage to win it, you know, but I just don't see how she can win playing like this. I agree. I agree. What did you think, MB? I think she did fantastic coming back. Oh, you're so nice to her. It's (laughs) it's good to have somebody on the podcast that's nice to her. How dare you? How dare I? What do you mean? We're, we're sitting here saying she's slow. She's not the greatest I anymore. just said she was the greatest. It's hard to watch her, though. She's going downhill. But I still admit she's the, she's the greatest. I and mean, I don't even put her in the top. Like, I don't even compare her to men. I just always say she's the greatest. She's one of the greatest athletes ever. Not even woman, just greatest. Well, speaking of greatest, um, as we all know, Novak Djokovic is winning. Um, and the reason I thought of this was because we were talking about how, you know, Serena's getting older and I guess somebody said to Novak the other day that he's the oldest man left in the tournament on the men's side and he couldn't believe it. He refused to believe. Oh, you know what? I saw that. That was the interview last night, right? After he won. Um, and I don't know. I didn't, I don't watch the interviews when they win, but yeah, that might've been when they said it. I think that was on the interview. I saw that. (laughs) So I think that's funny. Like, that can't be. That can't be. No, no. It's like, really? I'm the oldest? He's shocked. He, he needed Murray to uh, stay in because Murray's a week older than him, I think. So. <laughs> then he'd be the second oldest. Oh, my gosh. Jonathan and I, we went for a walk this morning over at our lovely local Lena Thompson Park, and uh, we probably spent at least three quarters of the walk talking about tennis. Oh, Wow. Yeah, and really digging down deep into it. And we were talking about, you know, someone that you said you love, Riss, Dominique yeah. Team. I do. Because uh, he's playing Chilich tonight. Oh, I good. Think. Then August will be happy. He'll want to watch that match. He loves Team. Yeah, so, you know, I, I don't was... Know why. I don't I can't tell you why August loves him. He just does. A style, a style I thing. Love ta- I love Taylor. I love Taylor Fritz. Yeah, that was super disappointing. I I was disappointed in him choking and losing to Shapovalov, who I do not like at all. Oh, you see, I just think he's a, I think he's a good player. And I just like knowing that he's that animated. Maybe people make, do you not like him because he's that animated or do you just don't like like him? Animated people, I don't like babies. Oh, okay. I gotcha. He acts like a baby. So in one of Taylor Fritz's service games, he loses the first point. Now, I don't recall where he was in the set. It was, he was probably losing. Right. He smashes his racket 
yep. on the court. Yep. Has to go over and get a new one. And this is in the middle of Fritz's service game. <laughs> I'm like, you're just an a-hole. Like, if you want to do that on your own service game, you know, and I think they did give him a code violation. They gave that. him a, a warning. Because what happened was Fritz turned to the chair ump and said, do I get a point? And she said, no, he's getting a warning. And so he was like, all right. But I thought, no, it, was I thought it was a code violation. And he was asking since the guy, since Shapovalov had already gotten a warning for time, the time clock running out. And Fritz was asking if the two violations equaled a point. And the chair ump said, no, they're, or the commentator said, no, they're different violations. Those don't accumulate. Like one's a time thing. And if he got called again for the time, he would have lost a first serve. But if he had gotten another code violation for, like this one was for racket abuse. If he had gotten another similar one, then he might have lost a point. Because that's what happened, you know, in the nightmare of... U.S. Open 2018. <laughs> right? okay. It was like, so anyway, yeah, it, it's not just a generic, oh, two, you're cited for two things and you lose a point. There's different categories of violations according to John McEnroe or Patrick McEnroe or Brad Gilbert or Chris Fowler or whoever calls all these matches. Oh, yeah. But yeah. So I'm a little worked up they about tennis. They talk too much. They do talk too much. Okay. Wait, were you guys well, it depends. It depends on who the commentators are. I feel like the women, are, I, that might just be a stereotype that women just talk too much in general, but I feel like the women talk too much. And I feel- Now, Chris Fowler, who is a man, talks mm -hmm. too much. He's not the British he dude, is he? No, no. Oh, yeah, I know the, who you're talking about. Okay. He's this stupid American dude who isn't a yeah. tennis player that they let call tennis matches. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Jonathan and I both hate him. He okay. doesn't shut up. In fact, when Chrissy Everett was calling the match with him today for Serena, and you can just tell she doesn't really care for him. Um, that's my personal opinion based off of her tone and little comments she makes. But were you guys watching when Wanda Sykes, when they were talking yeah. to her during uh -huh. like five games in the match, I was like yelling at the TV. Oh my God, get back to the tennis. Yeah, it was I, so, so I annoying. I would agree because although I will say this, I mean, they could have cut that interview a little shorter because no one can, she, I don't care what she thinks. However, I do care when people are in the stands and they interview them, but, uh, the uh, celebrities yes. but from time to time, because those are kind of funny, but this one was like, who cares? I don't know, maybe her or, but it was just like, I don't care. I mean, I like her, but I didn't listen to any of it. I had it on mute because I just couldn't believe how long it was going on for. And like, totally, yeah, they're interviewing the celebrity in the stands, but they have right. to, they're in the stands they have to be doing that when no tennis action is happening or people will like right. yell at them, right? Right. Here, you know, nobody hears them talking, so they're just blathering on. Meanwhile, three or four games of the, I, I said to Jonathan, I'm like, can you tweet at them and tell them to shut the hell up? <laughs> and he's like, um, okay, fine. 
But this is unacceptable. I'm going to let them know. Don't ever do that again. No, it's just, I, and you know, it's funny because they tend to pick the same celebrities when they're in the uh, stadium. So it's like, I always like to hear what uh, Alec Baldwin has to say because he's a big tennis <laughs> and he's a really funny guy anyway. Like, I was surprised Wanda Sykes wasn't even funny and that's what she does for a living is funny. Like, at well, least But remember, they also like started her off on a more serious topic, right? Because I think part of my issue with the commentators too is since oh, I watch voting. every single match, I hear their stories over and over again. Yes. And so, you know, they were talking to Wanda Sykes about, isn't it great that Naomi Osaka is, you know, stepping up as the voice of tennis, you know, for the Black Lives Matter movement. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> Which I totally support. But I was like, all right, so we have two black female tennis players on the court playing, neither of which is Naomi Osaka, and you have to be talking to Wanda Sykes, also right. a black woman, about this at this time. Why couldn't you have interviewed her during an Osaka match? Like, right. I'm just like, I'd like to watch the tennis. I agree. Or like you said, like, I don't know, maybe somebody forgoes a commercial break or you do it during a crossover. And like you said, you keep it much shorter. Keep it much shorter. Keep it a little lighter. I appreciate Osaka, you know, being, uh, bringing light, uh, you know, doing the BLM thing. That's totally fine with me. But it's just like, I don't know. It's like, I, it was just odd. It, the whole thing was a little odd for me. Yeah, I mean, I think... It was, the format was a little odd for me because it just allowed it to drag on and on. Like, right. And again, I just think it would have been more relevant to talk about Naomi Osaka during a Naomi Osaka match. I'm trying to watch Serena Williams and Sloane Stevens. Talk to me about them. Agreed. Agreed. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I'm going to survive another week of tennis, to be perfectly honest. Well, you have to survive because next is the French Open. Here's something interesting. There were 11 women advance the third round yes which was like the first time that were they saying something that was like yes the american women made a very good showing into the third round but how many are going into week two now which is the real telltale like you have to advance to the round of 16 to be considered in week two so we've got serena we've got uh shelby rogers madison i think we got in it yeah, yeah she Madison won Keys is Madison Keys is still in it. Okay, so we've got Keys, Williams, Rogers. Is Brady still in it? Jen Brady? Yes. Yes. Okay. Jen Brady. So that's that's oh, uh that's four of eleven. And then some of them haven't you know played what, yet. Cannon. Sophia, Sophia Cannon. Yeah, she's not through yet because she I has know to win wins, today. But I forget. Today is today. Yeah. Who? Kennan. Yeah. yeah. She plays soon. So she's not through yet. Obviously, Anna Samova and Stevens lost. So that's down to nine women. And I, I don't know. I feel like, oh, Jessica Pegula lost. And Catherine so we'll McNally. See. McNally lost. Yeah. So we'll see how many make it into week two. I mean, clearly the American women are far superior in accomplishment to the American men who are continuing her going on now multiple decades of being a joke, basically. 
We haven't had a decent men's <laughs> tennis player since Andy Roddick. Yeah, and and but I feel like there's hope. I feel like some like Fritz. I think he's coming in, and I think he'll do well. I think he'll have a long career because he's and Isner. He just has to maybe make sure he can get Isner. No, no, Isner's old. He's thirty-five. Oh. He's on the downswing. Yeah, he's on the down, and he was never on the up. No, he was on the up a little bit because for a while he was the highest-ranked American man on tour, which wasn't saying much, but you know. He did right, have that. Right, right. But like, yeah, all these other people, like maybe that kid Wolf who lost today to Medvedev, maybe he'll. I didn't her- even know. I didn't even know he existed, to be honest. I think this is his first tournament on the actual tour. I mean, he's a college player. Last year, he right. was the 2019 Big Ten Player of the Year from Ohio State. Right. So maybe he graduated. Um, but yeah, he's never, and he only is playing the U.S. Open, I'm sure, because he got a wild card because he doesn't have any type of ranking that would get him in. So he's somebody that benefited from, you know, some of the players not coming, like Nadal, Federer, Curios, Warenka. Right. Trying to think of who else didn't come. Those are the four that come to mind. Yeah. And then there's yeah. always some wild cards, right? Like every host gets. Like the U.S. hosts the U.S. Open, so they always get a few wild cards. Same with you know French and Wimbledon to put right. a few more players in. Yes, for national interest. But yes, so we're going to survive this U.S. Open, as we know, as we've said before. My dream winning pair would be Djokovic and Williams. I have more confidence in Djokovic than I do in Williams. And yes, then it will be on to the French Open. Although we will have a two-week break. I th- there for the French Open. There's I'm looking at all the people who have entered to play. That's probably a lot. Are there any that have aren't playing? That have said they aren't. Probably not. No. I mean, we know Federer isn't playing because he's out at for least, the year. At least you get to see Nadal in two weeks. Yeah, as you know, I don't care about that. <laughs> as part of our analysis because Jonathan really likes Nadal as well. We were talking about like, why is Nadal, you know, so great on clay and, you know, Nadal will eventually be gone within the next few years probably. And will team be the next Nadal. And uh, yeah, so we were just talking about the different aspects of Nadal's game that give him a little bit of an edge on clay. Right. Sorry, you were going to say, MB? It's a long list. There's like 104 people playing on yeah. the... So I'd be curious the- if anybody has said... Because, you know, so many people started saying, oh, we're not coming to the U.S. And then it's like, well, you're going to... I mean, obviously the U.S. is doing worse than France in terms of the coronavirus, but I don't actually know that New York City or the state of New York is doing worse anymore. No, I think, any- I think they've changed considerably. Well, and also, like, the commentators were talking about how, so the French Open has not announced any type of, like, they're not doing a bubble like the U.S. Open. They said, we think that they're going to get, they're going to make players get tested once, but they're not doing, like, continual testing. Um 
and you know, I so think players. Bubble works. I think they should continue to do that. I think a bubble works. You haven't had, you've had one player test positive at the U.S. Open and nobody else. And that's because they weren't following protocols. Oh, was it? Correct. I hadn't heard that. I just thought he must have caught it somewhere and like the first test that he took here didn't catch it. Because nope. they said if you, were, if you left the bubble, like you would automatically be kicked out. I don't think that, that's not what happened to him. No, I don't think so at all. Benoit Pair. Um, oh, but but I yeah, I so we'll see. Yeah, I don't think anybody knows the whole story. All I heard from the commentators was that Manorino, who was playing Zverev yesterday, and that match was delayed two and a half hours. Um, Manorino was part of the bubble within the bubble because he had been exposed to Benoit Pair. And I think, I don't know if he was mad about that or if maybe they were thinking they weren't going to let him play the match for some reason. Um, but yeah, so we'll just see. But yeah, France overall, you know, they're doing much better than the United States. So maybe they feel like they don't need it. Although a lot of the players are coming from the United States. <laughs> right. But they do have a week period. Right. So. I guess there's that. But anyway, yes. Maybe as we get closer, we can make our picks for the French Open. We can definitely do that. I mean, I guess anybody who doesn't pick Nadal is probably making a fool's bet, but I'm not rooting for him to win. I'm, of course, as always, rooting for Djokovic. And then on the women's side, I just don't even know. Who's the best clay court player in women's tennis right now? I don't know that. I don't know that either. What about you, Marissa, the only one of the three of us that actually plays tennis? Oh, I think Marissa must be frozen. She is. She is frozen. Let me see. I'll text her and say, you are frozen. You are frozen, Marissa. Well, okay. Uh, Do you think I don't know that all of them are well-trained in. Can you hear me? Well, you froze there, so we basically didn't get your entire thought. Oh, okay. You, all we got at the end there was something not trained yeah. in something. Yeah, not, I don't think a lot of them, if any of them, trained in, in the clay court situation. So I, I don't think so. I think they're all hard court people. Well, wait, who won the French Open last year on the women's side? Why can't I remember that? French Open 2019. Let's see. Who won? Oh, Ashley Barty. Huh. Okay. Ash Barty won. I don't know why I called her Ashley. She won against... Yeah. I don't remember who she won against. But anyway, all right, well, that is the world of tennis. Yep. With much more to come. Yes.
So this is Babs, and I am here to talk to you about the personally upsetting default from the 2020 U.S. Tennis Open of Novak Djokovic. The tournament defaulted him for hitting a linesperson in the throat with a ball. This was not done intentionally. He flicked a ball out of his pocket when his service game that he had just lost was done. He didn't pay attention to what he was doing. And unfortunately, the lines person also wasn't paying attention to her surroundings and the resulting injury ensued. Now, the lines person, as reported multiple times since the incident on September 6th, is doing well and was recovering in her hotel room. But the U.S. Open tournament referee, Soren Fremel, decided that because the lines person was injured, Novak had to be defaulted from the tournament. Uh, The default is not automatic in this instance. It was a discretionary move by the U.S. Open Tournament referee, despite what anyone says. There is a point penalty system in place for code violations that you would typically go through. This should have been considered an abusive ball situation because he negligently or recklessly, you know, hit a ball, not paying attention to the consequences. And the point penalty system provides first a warning, then a point, then a game. Uh, He was not issued a warning for this, and they moved beyond the point penalty and the game penalty and just defaulted him. So the coverage of it was also a little bit misleading by the commentators on ESPN, which was extra upsetting, and I feel that they just purposely and intentionally attacked Djokovic for really no good reason. It wasn't as if he intentionally targeted this lines person and, you know, tried to hurt her. So I tweeted at these people, and of course, you know, I don't have a big Twitter following, nor does a Walk in the Park podcast, so... Um, it's not like I was expecting a response, but it made me feel better. Tweet number one. At Chris McKendry, your commentary on the Joker Knoll default seemed intentionally misleading slash incomplete. The abusive ball rule in the handbook refers to the point penalty system. Defaults for a single code violation are within the discretion of the tournament referee. Soren Fremel explained during your interview that he made the default decision because the line umpire was hurt, not because according to the rules he had to default Joker Noel, which is Novak Djokovic's Twitter handle. The default rule is the referee in consultation with the Grand Slam Chief of Supervisors may may declare a default for either a single violation of this code or pursuant to the point penalty schedule set out above. And then it just says, in all cases of default, the decision of the referee in consultation with the Grand Slam Chief of Supervisors shall be final and unappealable. And then the rule goes on to say what the penalties are um, for a default, which is, you know, your ranking points are gone, the prize money you had won to date at the tournament is gone, and they can levy additional fines. Tweet number three, you jumped all over at John McEnroe for asking if there was another way to handle the situation, and clearly, according to the rule for abuse of balls, there was, the point penalty system. Soren Fremel used his discretion to default at Joker Knoll. It was not mandatory he do so. Tweet number four, the vitriol that you, at Chrissy Everett, and at Patrick McEnroe in particular appeared to have for at Joker Knoll was very disappointing. Meanwhile, fans missed the first set tiebreak, the entire second set, and the first two games of the third set in the Rogers-Kavitova match. 
Tweet number five. Shame on ESPN for letting all of you talk in circles for 45 minutes while there was tennis happening. Your commentary could have waited until a break in play between matches instead of preempting the Rodgers-Kavitova match. Very disrespectful to Rodgers, Kavitova, and the fans. Yes, that was the second kind of secondary annoyance of this whole thing was they literally spent the next 45 minutes talking about it and didn't show the women's tennis, which is just beyond annoying. So then there was an article published in the New York Times um, why was Novak Djokovic disqualified from the U.S. Open? Written by Ben Rothenberg. And he claimed that uh, the default fell under the definitions of ball abuse and unsportsmanlike conduct. Oh, he updated this article. That is so funny because I called him out for the author, Ben Rothenberg, for citing in his original article, he said it fell under physical abuse and um, assaultive behavior. And he has now changed it to, it fell under the Grand Slam rulebook's definitions of ball abuse and unsportsmanlike conduct, giving officials two options and the rules they could cite to punish Djokovic. It says, ultimately, Djokovic was ousted from the tournament. Tennis calls it defaulting from a match by Soren Formel, the U.S. Open tournament referee for unsportsmanlike conduct, the broader of the two categories. That is hilarious. I'm on to you, Ben Rothenberger. This article was originally published by uh, on September 6th, and it was updated September 7th. Oh, I really want to find the original article now. That is funny. Okay, well, there you have it. I was right that Ben Rothenberg was wrong. Not that it changes the result of anything, but it was not physical abuse or assaultive behavior. (sighs) Anyway, he's out. There will, in my mind, always be an asterisk next to this year's U.S. Men's Open winner because if Novak were still in the tournament... 99.9% he was going to win it. So now a man will win it who has never won a major and may end up being someone who this is the only major he ever wins with an asterisk. Meanwhile, I hope people can stop being so rude to Djokovic who has apologized um, on social media for his behavior, for hurting the lines judge, and that he can refocus his tennis and... uh, make a good showing at the French Open. Obviously, what he did was wrong, and he is now having to suffer the consequences of his actions. You should never flick a ball without watching where you're sending it, or certainly not with any um, anger, even if there's no malice aforethought to anyone in particular. He was obviously, you know, upset that he had just lost his service game to Pablo Carina Busta and he just flicked it in aggravation and unfortunately it hit the woman in the throat. She collapsed. Um, She did get up off the ground by herself without any medical intervention um, and walked off the court by herself. Um, 
<sighs> so he apologized and part of that apology said quote as for the disqualification i need to go back within and work on my disappointment and turn this all into a lesson for my growth and evolution as a player and human being i apologize to the u.s open tournament and everyone associated for my behavior and actually prior to that he first apologized to the lines person um he said this whole situation has left me really sad and empty. I checked on the lines person and the tournament told me that, thank God she is feeling okay. I'm extremely sorry to have caused her such stress. So unintended, so wrong. I'm not disclosing her name to respect her privacy. And then he went on to talk about the disqualification. So still love you, Djokovic, but yeah, hope you learned a very valuable lesson here. And of course, everyone is extremely lucky that the lines person was not hurt more severely. But what a disappointing U.S. Open on the men's side this has become. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or Google Play to rate, review, and subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. You can also follow us on our social media accounts. On Twitter, that's at Awit Podcast. On Facebook, you can find our A Walk in the Park Facebook page by searching at Awit Podcast. And on Instagram, you can find us at A Walk in the Park podcast. We'd love to hear from you.